What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Fitness Realty Channel. My name is TJ McClelland, and I'm the broker. I'm super excited to share all the things we have planned with you. So sit back, strap in, and let's have some fun. What's up, everybody? Welcome back. This is TJ McClellan, broker of Fitness Realty, here with Frank Dippold, and he is a rock star and a guru. Take it away, Frank. Let's hear a little bit about you. What's up? Thanks for having me. So, yeah, we are, you know, I've been a loan officer since 2001. And actually, before that, I was a real estate investor. I was just kind of buying and selling. I didn't even know what I was doing. I just, I had, you know, confidence in myself and I would buy something that would go up in value. And I would buy something else that would go up in value. And I thought I knew what I was doing. But <laughs> at some point, it doesn't continue to go up in value for a small period of time. When I got in the mortgage business, um, things were good. Things have always been good. But 15 years in, I wrote a seminar called Velocity of Money which is my big thing is that everybody needs three pieces of real estate to retire. And my course marries real estate investing and mortgage. See, there's real estate investors and then there's mortgage people. But most mortgage people are transactional and they just put you in a white picket fence house. And most real estate investors think about flipping and appreciation. True. We think about long-term, use the bank's money to buy the property, use the tenant's money to pay off the property. So we nice. created a system that is awesome for America. No, that's so cool. I can't wait to touch base on that a little bit here. I'm just excited about how you teach that process because I did go through a crash course with you for a two-week course, I believe, four intense blocks, and it was just so much material like coming through a fire hose. So I'm excited to do like a little mini seminar of that at the end of this. But first, let's start with some easy questions just to get them off the books. So what is lending from your point of view? Just kind of break that down a little bit for us. No problem. I mean, lending, you know, Fannie and Freddie used to be quasi-government agencies. And in 2008, because of financial crisis, they became actual government agencies. So the three regulatory bodies in America, Fannie, Freddie, and FHA, are all owned by the government. Now, oh. they are the underwriting system that we all go by, the guidelines are set by Fannie Freddie and FHA. So that's always the first line of defense. We have a $140 million plus group here. My company does $3 billion, And we always start with Fannie Freddie FHA. We're putting people into homes, we're putting people into second homes, and we're putting people into investment properties. Then you have what they call non-QM. So the first line of defense is always Fannie Freddie FHA. If people don't show a lot of income on their tax returns, or they might be self-employed, or they might be buying an investment property, but they don't show a ton of income on their returns, there's the non-QM world. The non-QM world is more flexible. Rates are slightly higher, but there's products out there for self-employed and real estate investors. Then you have the fix and flip world, where people borrow hard money at 10% or 11%, two points, whatever. And I'm not a fix and flip guy because I believe the long-term buy and hold is the way to go. But I still teach people that do fix and flips, how to turn things into long-term. So there's many programs out. And then of course we have Jumbo, you know, that that's a given. And there's many products out there for people. So when people ask me, hey, is it hard to get people loans? I'm like, no, it's not. They have to have a credit score and a job, but I don't think it's hard to get people loans. Oh, that's so awesome. For everybody listening, I want to point out something here that Frank says, or that you've kind of highlighted here, is that you're dropping some really deep knowledge bombs on everyone here. 
Typically, when we're talking about lending, I just want to make sure that everybody understands that your depth of knowledge is very, very big, which is really cool. And so I really want to point out that for everybody listening, Frank is a guru at getting people qualified and getting them into the property that they're looking for. And then just I just want to make sure everybody sees that there's so much knowledge here. I just want you to reach out and talk to Frank when you have real big questions like that. Okay, let's see. What is the best thing a new buyer can do? Uh, not, not shop the internet because Fair. they will get lied to by the big ones, right? The big ones will flash an interest rate that's, you know, it's the $399 Mercedes that we see during Christmas, right? True. It's the snow flurries and the mm-hmm. white ribbon and it's an E350. And you're like, honey, I'm going to get that E350 for $399 a month. And then you get to the car dealership. And like, no, sorry, that's with 11 grand down. Like that, <laughs> right. That's the same thing as the 3% that Quicken Loans is advertising or three and a quarter that they're advertising. It's with two points or three points. Gotcha. So the best thing we do in all seriousness is educate, educate, educate. In 2011 or 12, I read this book called The Blue Ocean Strategy, which talks about in a commoditized industry, mortgage, real estate, whatever, mm-hmm. how do you differentiate yourself from your competition? I educate. So if I'm talking to a first-time home buyer and I go, hey, I could give you 3% on an interest rate and you know, let me know when you're going to find a house. I have no value. The right. Honda robot can do that. But right. once I educate people and talk about everything from how to get the business rate, who we are, how we do things, what they qualify for, how to include closing costs, I send them back to an awesome realtor like you guys. And now they come back with confidence because it's not like, well, when people borrow money, they're insecure. So Mm -hmm. what we do is we make them feel secure. We say, this is what you qualify for. And it's not BS. It's real. Send them back to the realtor like you. Find them a home. Put them in a home. Because we know in a market like this, if you don't strike quick and strike with a strong offer, you're Mm -hmm. losing. Right? So the best thing we do is educate, which creates confidence, and then communicate during the process so that they feel confident the whole way. And we get them into that home. And hopefully we get the invite to the barbecue because we did such a good job. Right. Oh, for sure. And I'm sure that happens so often, get an invite, <laughs> get an invitations. <laughs> I mean, something that I want to point out there is the education piece is so, so crucial. And that's what we do as well as just to try to educate, educate, educate. And that is the principle behind this channel. And so I really value that. And I value that piece that you bring to the table because knowledge is power. I mean, you've heard it everywhere, but the education side, and to be able to teach that to somebody when they're looking at it in a way with eyes that they've never seen this stuff before. This isn't taught in schools. This isn't taught like by parents a lot of times. It's not taught by your friends because they don't know. So the education piece is so solid to me. And so it's just awesome. Thank you. All right. (laughs) This one's gonna be a fun one. What got you into lending? And did you ever think like, this was what I want to do forever. <laughs> so funny. Great question. And nobody ever thinks, like there's not many people that are intentional when they come out of college or whatever that are like, hey, I want to be in the mortgage business. As a matter of fact, it's so funny because we had a huge staff here of transaction coordinators, loan partners, and processors that I hired right out of college. And one of the things they said at our last year's Christmas party was, we're grateful for Frank hiring us and we're... So grateful because while in college, and these are very smart kids, all of them, we didn't even know there was a such thing as a mortgage business. 
Mm-hmm. Like they didn't know it existed. Like <laughs> right. they take, and and most of them were business majors, right? They don't even. So yes, they don't teach it. In 1995, I bought my first property. It was actually my grandmother's house. The, mm. the family had to sell it. She had to go into a nursing home, and it was this whole thing. Yeah. And so I bought it, but I didn't know what I was doing. So I had to get my uncle from the other side of the family because I had just gone playing minor league baseball, and I was broke. Oh, I made wow. a whopping $650 a month <laughs> playing <laughs> baseball in Rochester, Minnesota. And after taxes, I took home $430 a month. Yeah. So we buy the house, goes up and back value whatever and then i did a bunch of loans and i bought like eight or nine properties in the in the late 90s wow and at one point i was like i think that loan officer is making a lot of money on my loan like that was back in the day where the margins were much bigger than they are now yeah now it's a volume game we have to do so in the 90s i was in the telecom business and i was a general manager for a company called net 2000 who had gone public we went public in the spring of 2001 get this my stock was worth four million dollars Wow. On, on IPO day, except uh-huh. we couldn't exercise or sell for a year. And by the end of that year, because of September 11, 2001, the company filed bankruptcy and my stock was worthless. Ooh. Ow. Yeah. Yeah. I was 29 years old. I thought I was, you know, rich. Right. And, uh, uh, you know, next thing you know, I was looking for a job. Ooh. And so the telecom industry, five days before my wedding, by the way, the CEO <laughs> called me on a Sunday night. I was in charge of New Jersey. And he's like, you've done a hellacious job. These are his words, quote, but we have to let you go and you have to fire all 70 people that work for you tomorrow. It oh. was like, it was like insane. Wow. And I was getting married that Friday night. Oh yeah. my gosh. <laughs> you can't make this stuff up. Dude. Yeah, nuts. So I stumbled into a mortgage company in the fall of six months later, the fall of 2001. And I met this guy and he had this company and he was like, hey, if, if you give me loans, I'll pay you. And it was back in the day where all you had to do is fill out a $100 solicitation. You didn't even have to get a mortgage license back then. Nice. And like a couple of my buddies wanted to refi. This was when rates were like six and a half, seven percent I brought them a couple loans and I made like 15 grand nice. like on three loans. So I, <laughs> I was like, well, I guess I'm in the mortgage business now. <laughs> nice. I, didn't, like, I didn't know what I was doing, but I would just bring this guy the loans and he knew what he was doing. Nice. And then by 2002, I had my own branch. And by 2004, I started a company and the company I started in 2004 is called Celebrity Mortgage. Within a year, we had done 150 million in loans. Whoa! And then by year three, we did 600 million in loans, and I had 150 employees. Holy so, cow! So yeah, so and honestly, like, you know, I wasn't that good back then. I was just aggressive and gave people good payouts, so I got a lot of people. Like I nice. thought I was the man. I really wasn't. I was just <laughs> giving very good deals to people, but. But we learned a lot because there was hundreds of millions of dollars that came across our desk. Yeah. Wow. That is crazy. I, yeah. That is the most outlandish story. Yeah. <laughs> that is I, so cool. I love hearing actual, like, real stories, you know, of where people actually came from, how they got into what they're doing. Yeah. You know, it's kind of cool. No, that's fun. Yeah, it was, you know, and I got more to it, which we'll talk about later. But cool. But it was the rise and the fall and the rise, and, and it's kind of what birthed. Velocity money, which we'll talk about after. Nice. No, that's so cool. And like the birth story of these brilliant ideas really come from kind of a downturn sometimes. So I'm super excited to touch on that. And so are all of our listeners, I'm sure. All right. Well, you've kind of touched on how big your team was when you were running that company. What is the size of your team currently? And uh, just kind of talk us through that. Yeah. So we have 19 people on our particular team. 
nine of which are back office people. The other 11 are loan officers. So, you know, mortgages are like an assembly line. So it starts with a pre-approval, an initial conversation, a consultation, an application, pull credit, look at income, get people qualified, tell them what they can afford, send it back to you, like I mentioned. Mm -hmm. And then when they find a house and get in the contract, then it turns into a loan. We disclose the loan. We get it ready for underwriting. We get it underwriting approved. We answer the underwriting conditions and we get it clear to close. And that's a clear oversimplification. Yeah. But that's kind of how the assembly line works. So one thing I do is this company called Mortgage Marketing Animals, who coaches me, mm-hmm. coaches a few thousand top producing loan officers across the country, mm-hmm. helped me with creating that process and system. Nice. Right. So, you know, a quick metaphor. If you go to a car dealership and you're looking for a car, mm-hmm. do you ever go, hey, I want to buy a car? Oh, sorry, the salesman's not here. He's in the back changing tires. No, that mm-hmm. never happens. Never. They're like on you. They're on you. Yeah, they're annoying, but they're on you. <laughs> and so, but in the mortgage business, what happens a lot is if you're a younger, newer, not big producer, mm-hmm. you're asked to go find the loan, hit realtors or whatever, mm-hmm. then pull credit, put the loan in, gather pay stubs, set the loan up for processing. So we use this thing called a DISC profile, D-I-S-C, mm-hmm. which talks about personality traits. Interesting. B's and I's are salespeople. Uh-huh. S's and C's are back office people. So- once you identify what personality type someone has, then you could give them a role that they're going to do great in because you want them to do what they're great at. So nice. as an example, I'm a D and an I. I can talk about mortgages. I will talk about mortgages until the day I die. Nice. But if you ask me to process mortgages, the loan's not going to close. Yeah, like You're not closing because right. I'm terrible. <laughs> so thank God at home, my wife pays the bills. She's great at it. But yeah. so I hired... S's and C's in the back office. And, Interesting. And they're all about the customer experience. So the second the phone rings to my office or wherever, they answer. They take the preliminary information. We all also have online links called Blend. And we coddle the client to make them feel secure. Nice. And then every day between one and four, me and my loan officers have our loan consultation meetings, cool. whether it's initial or they've gotten disclosures and all that. So- my company's licensed in 44 states. I have 18 states. So basically nice. can handle the whole country. Yeah. Just about. And it's all about the customer experience. If somebody has an average experience, mm-hmm. we're failing. If somebody has negative news, we're failing. If someone complains to you, mm-hmm. we have a problem. Fair. I want people to be like, holy cow. I heard such bad things about getting a mortgage. And that was an amazing experience. That's how we grow our business. Nice. That is awesome. And it sounds like your team is set up really well to handle people from start to finish and really get them educated through the entire process, which, again, I know we've touched on education already. But in my opinion, that is the piece that really rises you up to the top, which is awesome. Yeah. Okay, Um, let's see. What is a typical process for a new buyer? I know we touched on it just a second ago where you kind of simplified it really quick, but just kind of walk through those pieces a little bit more. And just kind of walk us through the streamline. Let's keep it pretty simple, of course, and skim it over the top. But give us a kind of start to finish for a new buyer. Yeah, it's pretty simple. I mean, we have this link called Blend. So if I meet somebody, we give them the Blend link. They go and fill out the information. The millennial generation especially loves the online portals, right? They feel more secure with that than verbal information. They fill out the Blend link. We pull their credit. We take a look at their income. My team will immediately call them with questions on the application that they filled out. 
okay, you, you know, you, what are you thinking about? I'm thinking about 600,000. Okay, great. What's your income? 130,000. Are you an employee or are you self-employed? So with a W-2 employee, right? Mm-hmm. Pre-approval, same day. No problem. Within 24 hours, obviously, if it's four o'clock that day, they might get it the next day. It's the self-employed that takes a little longer sometimes because people never know what their CPA did. Oh, I brought in 600 grand last year. Well, that's your gross revenue. What's your net income? Mm -hmm. So we have to look at their tax returns. Still, if they supply us their tax returns and their income documents, we should be able to spit out a pre-approval within 48 hours. It's no problem. Once somebody's pre-approved, we send them back to the realtor and give you guys the number. Hey, they can afford up to 700. They're a little bit more comfortable at 550. Go find a house. And then every single week on a Thursday, we call all of our pre-approvals to see how their shopping's going. Nice. Once the loan becomes a contract, it gets into disclosure. My director of operations discloses the loan, runs what they call a DU, which is the Fannie Mae findings or FHA findings to make sure that the system says approve eligibility. Underwriting guidelines all go by that DU, they call it, right? Mm-hmm. So once it's approved, and we know 95% of the time when it'll come back approved, sometimes if it's a tricky credit profile, it might come back refer or ineligible, and we might have to tweak a few things to get it approved. Once we have those findings, we disclose the loan, we get it ready for underwriting, we do a loan estimate call with the borrower to make sure they understand how closing costs work, Mm -hmm. because the loan estimate looks very confusing to people, very uh, because it's a government document. And then we just, my team peppers them along the way to make sure that all the documentation is ready for the underwriter. Once we put a ribbon on it for the underwriter and we get an approval, Mm-hmm. The underwriter always has a couple more things they need, and then we work towards getting a clear to close. So it's not that hard. Yeah. The hard part for people, like it's more fear than anything. People are insecure about borrowing money. Right. Once we get in conversation with them, we hopefully make them feel secure, and then we tell them what they can afford, and then we rock and roll. No, that's so cool. I love how the process can be really baked down to be easy, but there are so many lenders that just make it so ridiculously hard. I'm like. This is not a hard process. You just have to be willing to put forth the effort to make it a transaction that people actually want to do. Like what you said, educate so that they can feel comfortable. Something that I've heard you speak about before that I want to touch base on here before we move on to the next question is when you call people or when you call your borrowers, I've heard you say that you call both parties. So if it's a married husband and wife or whatever, You'll call both because sometimes there's a communication barrier between couples, <laughs> you know, or, or if it's three people buying a home together or whatever. It's just cool that you really play or you really put the bar really high for communication, um, which yeah. is awesome. Well, two things. My staff is trained that when they send an email, they follow up with a phone call. When they ha- make a phone call, they follow up with an email. Nice. And if, if you know, for all of you people that are married and I'm married, we're not. Guys are not as good communicators as women. Women are more into details, <laughs> yep, right? Fair. So we'll be like, oh, yeah, well, you know, this is what we found. And Market Animals Coaching has trained me on this. You know, oh, I talked to your husband yesterday. I told him we need, you know, pay stubs, W-2s, and tax returns. And the wife will be like, he told me the loan was approved and we didn't need any more documentation. <laughs> so we'll be like, what? okay, well, he missed the, you know, the second 30 seconds of that conversation. So, <laughs> right. So, and also like, there's just because there's different personality traits between husband and wife, and we're in a busy society, it's great to talk to both and we get different insight 
And I always found that when I speak to the wives, mm-hmm. there's a better comfort level. Because if I just talk to the husband about the loan estimate mm-hmm. and the wife is feeling insecure about the fees, then she starts picking at him. Uh, and then he doesn't have the answers. And then the thing starts to go in the wrong direction. So it's, I'm like, please, let's do a joint Zoom. Mm-hmm. I can train both you and your wife together, whatever you want to do. But I want to make sure both parties are fully engaged. Right. Which is so cool and so powerful. I really love that. Let's see. Real quick plug for you. Do you do refinances so people know if you do those? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, it's a funny story on this. So you'll appreciate this. In 2001, because I was terrible at paperwork when I first got in the mortgage business, mm-hmm. when I got purchases, I would like sit on paperwork because I'm just not organized. And so for the first two years of doing mortgages, whenever I got a purchase, I would miss closing dates. Oh, no. And, and the realtors would yell at me. Yeah. And so I decided that I hated realtors <laughs> because, because like, I'm like, well, they're jerks. No, they right. weren't jerks. I just kind of sucked because yeah. I was missing closing dates. Fair. So for the first five years in the business, all I did was refunds. Oh, wow. Just refunds. <laughs> nice. I would meet with financial planners, CPAs, trusted estate attorneys, divorce attorneys, because somebody buys someone else out when they get divorced. And I was like the refi king. And nice. I just did refis because I decided I hated realtors. And then I <laughs> and then I woke up one day and I was like, well, your income, obviously the synergy between you and I, yep. loan officers and realtors, is more important than anything in this business. Yep. It took me a little while to get my head out of my butt to realize that I needed that. And so yes to refis. B, I used to only do refis, which is terrible. But in <laughs> 2007 and eight, I woke up and realized that I needed realtors. And then realtors needed me because there's a great synergy. But I love refis because it's a mathematical equation, mm-hmm. right? You're either saving people cash flow mm-hmm. or you're paying off other debt like credit cards or other things, or you're giving them cash right. to invest in other real estate, pay off credit card debt or whatever. And I'm a big believer, and this is why I love refis, that mortgages are seen in America as a necessary evil. Mm-hmm. Grandma told people, get as low of a mortgage as you can, put 20% down, pay it off as quick as you can. That to me is burying money in the backyard. I'm not telling people to strip their home of all the equity. What I'm telling people is mortgages can be used as a financial tool. Mm -hmm. And with the velocity money stuff, it's like, well, if I could show you how to take 50 grand out of your house and buy a vacation rental Mm -hmm. and then make 30,000 a year in profit on your vacation rental by borrowing money against an asset that you have that's currently buried in your backyard, Mm -hmm. why wouldn't you want to do that? Right. So it all starts with a refi or a possible understanding of how the math around it works, which is what you and I talked about in my course. Some mm-hmm. people are like, oh, God, I'm starting to drink from fire hose, too. But the truth is that I'm changing the script of people's mindset mm-hmm. because the mindset in America is actually wrong. They're right. not using the mortgage as a tool. And too much of people's net worth is buried in the backyard. And we have to parlay that into more real estate. Oh, yeah, for sure. What I really love about how you speak about it is it's like having the velocity of money in the center and everything is baked around it, which is just so powerful. One day we're going to do a very, not a long, but a really in-depth crash course on the velocity of money, which I'm so excited to bring to everybody. Yeah. And I hope everybody can kind of see Frank talks about the velocity of money in a way that you can actually start to understand. And so we're laying little trail bits here, you know, for that upcoming episode. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, All right. What area in Utah can you service? 
Well, once you're licensed in a state, you got the whole state. So that's good. So our nice. company has applied to Utah and is on the brink of getting that approved. So any day now, we will say, open up the floodgates. Nice. So that won't be a problem. So it doesn't matter what city it is in Utah. Cool. Oh, that's awesome. So that'll be for everybody that's watching in Utah. It's going to be so good. And then right. he did touch on lots of other states. So if you own something somewhere else and you want to get a refi or whatever, there's lots of opportunity for that. Yeah, absolutely. Why would someone want to use a lender that is so far away? Because you are geographically located pretty far away from us. Yeah. Well, I will say this. I've done a lot of loans in California, so that helps because they're a little closer to you. <laughs> nice. But it doesn't really matter anymore, right? Um, yeah. We all follow the same national guidelines. I mean, I'm not a realtor, right? So I'm not an expert in Salt Lake real estate, for example. Mm-hmm. But a loan is a loan is a loan. And at the end of the day, as I said earlier, loan officers are very transactional, right? Mm-hmm. They're very, give me your pay stub, give me your pay. They don't, they don't even really necessarily coddle the customer. The things that we've adopted work all over the country. Nice. And for example, when I train, because I've trained thousands of people in the velocity of money, when I train first time home buyers how to have the mindset of buying three properties, not one, mm-hmm. which we'll talk about a little bit. A lot of times they're in California and they're like, California sucks for landlords, right? right? They're letting these tenants not pay for a year at a time. And who's going to get hurt is the landlord. So right. I say, well, why don't you look in Nevada or, or Arizona or Utah, mm-hmm. right? So it's not, it doesn't matter what state somebody's in. Once somebody learns my formula on how to analyze real estate, mm-hmm. you go buy anywhere in the country. It's not a problem. And with Zoom, I feel like it made the world a little closer together. Right. I could sit here, you know, you could be a mile from me or you could be 2,000 miles from me and we're doing the same thing. Right. No, I totally agree. What What's really awesome there is the experience that you bring to the buyer or the experience that you bring to each client. That's really what's powerful. Getting yeah. them educated, getting them the actual loan, getting them a great deal, and then closing on time is super, super beneficial. Yeah. So that's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Let me All say right. one thing, one thing oh, yeah. about that. Good rates, hitting commitment dates, hitting closing dates. Prerequisite, right? I'm not even coming to the dance unless I do those things. Right. Because if we don't do those things. Yeah. You're out of business. Out. Yeah, you're yeah. Out. You guys suck and, and we're done with you. But then I take the education piece and I show people how to use mortgage and real estate as a financial tool. Because I'm a big believer that all of us are in trouble when it comes to retirement unless we own some real estate. And so that's the differentiating factor. So it's like, well, okay, are your price, are your rates good? Of course, our rates are good. We do hundreds of millions a year. Our company does three billion. Mm-hmm. We're as good as anybody else in rate, if not better. But then on top of that, so you're getting the Walmart pricing, yep. but you're getting Nordstrom service. Nice. Best of both worlds. Right. Which is awesome. <laughs> for every client that's looking for that, I mean, that's what we're always looking for in the market is great prices with really awesome service. So so that's super good. All right, let's do what makes you the best lender. And we'll move into a snippet of velocity of money. And we'll finish and wrap up with a little snippet of that. Well, so what makes us the best lender is two things. We have an awesome partner with success mortgage partners. I met the owners of this company a little while ago. And these guys get it. Not only have they done really well over the last 15, 20 years, but they're very conservative in, you know, they're not big spenders type of thing. 
and they reinvest a lot of their money into technology, technology such as sales boomerang, which, you know, gives us equity alerts when someone's house went up in value. And then we call them to take them out of an FHA loan and into conventional, which saves them 400 a month, for example. Oh, wow. It's an amazing product. I get alerts every day. And then there's other thing called HomeBot, which helps people with their searches. And there's all sorts of technology mm-hmm. that makes this company awesome. And then with the technology, they have very intelligent people and very smart people. And they realize that the most efficient and quickest people that get to the closing table are going to be the mortgage companies that win. Mm-hmm. So when I met these guys, I was like, I want to partner up with you. Nice. They also met me and were very impressed with velocity of money. Mm-hmm. And we're like, whoa. And we're in the midst of making this a national program with these guys. Nice. Then when you adopt the system that I've adopted and the processes that I adopted internally, mm-hmm. coupled with the awesome customer experience and between me and my director of operations, you're talking about 50 years in the business, Wow! right? So there's not a lot of scenarios that we haven't seen, although I do still learn every week because the one common denominator is people and people <laughs> all pay their bills differently. So it's, it's always a wild ride. But I don't, and then what happens is loan officers that get busy, get prideful. So if you have a guy or a girl that did 60, 80 or a hundred million last year, they're just so transactional and they're too busy counting their paycheck. Mm-hmm. They don't adopt the systems and the processes that I do. And we're building a billion dollar a year group just in my group. Oh wow! And we're only going to do that by the things that I mentioned, customer service, awesome rates, awesome service. And the education piece is the thing. Nobody has the velocity money thing because I created it. Right. You know, like I said, I married the real estate and the mortgage together. And that's what's going to help people get to the retirement. Right. That's so cool. Okay. Snippet us the velocity of money. What does that look like? And why does it always kind of resound with three properties? And how do you combat kind of crappy way retirements are built currently? Give us a little idea of what that looks like so that people will understand the kind of hour crash course that we'll bring them here in a few weeks. Yeah, perfect. Thank you. That's a great question. That's my favorite question. So when I used to do live seminars pre-COVID, and we're going to start doing them again now this year, there's always three groups of people in the room. There's first-time home buyers. There's people who already own a single family or a condo. And then there's people who consider themselves to be real estate investors. Mm-hmm. So it's really encompassing everybody, right? And what's the common denominator with people in America? What do they think about? When they think about real estate, they think about flipping and they think about appreciation. That's what all the TV shows talk about. Right. That's not me. I'm long-term buy and hold guy. Mm -hmm. So in that room, let's go to a first-time homebuyer. We've created a couple programs that I've trademarked that show people how to buy three properties in three years, all as owner-occupied. So you buy it, you move in, Mm -hmm. you live there a year. And you buy another property, you live there a year, and then you buy another property. But then you're like, someone will say, well, real estate values are at an all-time high. How do I know what a good deal is? Well, we have the formula, mm-hmm. yield, and the thing that we call power of four, which you and I have talked about. Oh, yeah. Four quadrants of real estate investing. So it's not an investor that has to put 25% down to get a property. It could be owner-occupied right. that you live in a couple of times. And if I show people how to analyze the property, then they can't lose because it's not based on appreciation. It's based on cash flow. Uh. Group B, equity's up 30% in the last three years. Group B has money buried in their home. Mm-hmm. They put down 
they've paid it for 10 years, and they're looking at their 401k or their IRA saying, well, I thought it was going to be 2 million and I'm 51 years old and it's 300 grand, which is a lot of money. But if you look at what you'll get in retirement from that, it's a problem. Right. Right. So let me go back to what I talk about at the seminars real quick. Mm -hmm. There's a problem in America, Mm -hmm. 401k, IRA, student loan debt, credit card debt is a problem and people don't invest properly. But even if it wasn't a problem, think about this for a minute. TJ, if you give a financial planner a hundred grand, Mm-hmm. And they make you 5%. How much are you making a year? $5,000. Yeah. Right? And then it grows accordingly. Now, if I had 100 grand of your money, I'd mm-hmm. say, hey, I can show you how to buy a million or a million three worth of real estate with that. Whoa. Now, with a million three worth of real estate, appreciation is not the game. It's the fourth quadrant <laughs> of power four, right? It's the least important. But think about this mm-hmm. that same 100 grand you invest in real estate. Say real estate goes up in 4% in value and you just purchased $1.3 million worth of real estate. Mm-hmm. Now what you're talking about is about $60,000 in growth in one year Whoa. with the same hundred grand that you were making five grand with a financial planner. Right. So my challenge is, and I, I upset financial planners when they come to my seminars because they cannot compete with me. Right. They just can't. And there is a speculative and risky and mine is guaranteed because we have the cash flows. Yep. So that's sort of the formula, right? There's a reason why there was a guy that was president that was a, a real estate guy for 30 years, right? Uh-huh. And he understood the power and leverage of the bank's money. Mm-hmm. So if we use the bank's money, which is us, to buy the property, and then we use the tenant's money to pay off the property, mm-hmm. and we have real estate go up in value over 20, 30 years, and it's pretty much going to double every 18 years, I can show you stats. Mm-hmm. And then we have 15000 a month in cash flow when we're done. It's astounding that I already have helped 10,000 people retire already. I just haven't marketed big enough, and that's what we're doing now. So I know that's a lot of information, but one more thing. The Mm -hmm. third group is real estate investors that currently flip properties. And I say to them, okay, that might be your day job. That's wonderful. What I'm saying is we need three properties to retire. And then the question I ask everybody in the audience and that I speak to is, is real estate an asset? Or is real estate a liability? And the answer is, it's a trick question. It's actually both, yep. right? It's an asset if it spits off income. It's a liability if you have to go to work to pay that mortgage. So once people understand, because there's a crossover in everybody's mind mm-hmm. between the two, is they try to take something that they think is an asset, which is their primary residence. They think it's an asset because there's equity in it, but it's not an asset because it's buried in your backyard. Right. It's only an asset when it's parlayed into rental income. And so I help them sort of with their transition mentally to learn, grow, and become somebody who can own some real estate. That is so cool. Something that I love to point out here is two things. One is the conundrum of the equity buried in the backyard. Something that is brought up in your course is equity just is a good feeling, which is, it's nice. It's like, yay, but it's not working for you. So I like that part. Something else that really stood out to me in the course, and I'm excited when we do a deep dive, is the power of the VA loan to do the velocity of money. The numbers are just ridiculous. I mean, I'm like, and that's when I was in the class, and I literally was punching in my numbers and was like, these are wrong. I'm retarded. I don't know how to use this calculator. And then you were like, well, let's work through it. And we worked through it. And the light bulb was like, but bing. 
<laughs> so I'm so excited about that. I'm just very appreciative of your depth of knowledge. I'm very appreciative of what you bring to the table in the education piece. I always try to train my clients to really be hungry for that knowledge. And the power that you have with that knowledge to bring to them is just super beneficial. So I'm very grateful for that. I just wanted to say thank you for being here. Thank you for working with us. It's going to be awesome. Thank you. Well, thanks for having me. And and you were definitely the Val Victorian of that class. Oh, thank you. Know? you. And, and it's funny because when you do Zoom classes, because it's a national thing, right? Uh-huh. There's people like TJ, you were getting it, you were on it, you were asking questions. And I could tell you wanted to jump through the computer screen. And then you have <laughs> other people that are like half asleep on Zoom, like looking at their phone. And it's like, I'd rather just do this with yep. people that are fired up about it. And we'll kick everybody else out of the class. Yep. The people that were like, just blank stares. I was like, Okay, you just don't understand what's happening here. <laughs> but it's 80-20 or 90-10, right? Like, yeah. And I, thank God, have been blessed with a wonderful career and a lot of knowledge. And I bought and sold over 45 properties myself. And I screwed some up because I got outside my formula. But gotcha. once I really learned the formula the right way and, and teach it to others, like, we're going to help 10,000 people retire using real estate. And I think partnering up with guys like you, we can really start helping the masses because we can have a movement. We can change a lot of lives. Right. That's so cool. So powerful. All right. Well, this has been a fun, fun episode. I am TJ McClellan, broker of Fitness Realty, here with Frank Dippold, the master, the guru, all about velocity of money. I'm so excited to do the deep dive. I just want to say thank you to everyone. Thank you for your support. And thank you to Frank. Thanks for being here. Take care, guys. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thanks. (laughs) And that's a wrap. Thank you so much for supporting us. We'll see you next time, and we love you. Later.